Hello, and welcome to another episode of Stories from the World. This is David Robert Farmerie. Welcome to this week's episode, I-40. Before I begin this episode, I want to mention, though, that this is the first episode that I am actually recording while I'm on the road. I am, in fact, recording this from my hotel room in Albuquerque, New Mexico, which, in case you're wondering, is room 334 at the Holiday Inn Express near the airport. This is also the first episode that I am recording using my laptop, and that may not seem like a big deal, but for me, it actually is. I'm accustomed to recording and doing all the editing on my big monitor with a mouse and with other things, and now I am stripped down to a MacBook Pro and the trackpad. But as always, it is yet another adventure. Also, I want to mention that there has been a technical issue, and I'm not sure exactly what's causing it, although I think I may have it fixed. Uh, But uh, the podcast, for some reason, the episodes, even though they are recorded in stereo, they have been reproducing via uh, the, the podcast site in mono. So again, we're going to try it differently this time. I think I may have worked out, uh, so bear with me. Over the span of my career, I have spent a considerable amount of time on the road, both within the United States as well as other countries all over the world. But, you know, as a young child, and it was generally on Saturdays, my dad would pack up my mom and me into the yellow Oldsmobile, then we would head off to parts unknown in an attempt to get lost, then find our way back home. This was just a thing of my dad's, but it was really great fun. At the time that we did this, there were virtually no interstates, nor was there air conditioning in the cars. But, you know, the adventure was always there, and it was because of the way that my dad did this, this getting lost and finding our way back, that it taught me early on that this was really all about the adventure that presented itself by getting lost. And instead of becoming an issue where it ruined a perfectly good Saturday family drive, instead... My dad made it fun. And to this day, I truly love being lost most of the time. There are times I really don't. But most of the time, I find it, again, just to be a great adventure. And many times when I get lost, I truly find all of these new things to explore, all of these things to learn, all of these things to experience. And again, that's what makes it an adventure, but only only if you allow it. In fact, you know, as I'm thinking about all this now, I remember that back when I acquired my driver's license at the age of 16, I mean, literally the day that I took the driver's exam, I headed off on a day trip immediately following the exam. Then, of course, you know, by that time, there were some semblances of interstates. We had Interstate 79 that ran south to north, but it really wasn't uh, complete. I mean, I think it ran from where I lived on the outskirts of Pittsburgh to a place called Meadville, Pennsylvania, which eh, I guess was about an hour, hour and a half drive. And that was great for my first day of having my license. And what I didn't realize then, I only found this out years later after it ceased to be the case. But at that point, Meadville, Pennsylvania was one of the huge hubs for the mafia. But, you know, over the past several years, these long drives, at least for me, have become a bit choresome. You know, the great windshield time, as I called it, that I came to love is no longer available because of the increased traffic and congestion, and yes, even on the interstates. 
The problem, at least in my opinion, is it's primarily from the trucks. And I'm not complaining other than that's the fact. And, you know, this this increase in truck traffic, semis, is still increasing. It seems like every time I'm on the road, I see even more trucks. In fact, on this trip, this trip that I'm on right now, as I was driving through New Mexico, at one point, for literally, you know, as far as the eye could see, and in these parts of, of New Mexico, the eye can see for many, many miles, there was a solid line of semis in the right lane, again, as far as the eye could see, and in the left lane, there were several semis that were attempting to pass all of the semis in the right lane, and they were going probably about two miles, three miles an hour faster than the ones that were in the, you know, the slow lane, and as a result, we slowed down from 75, 80 miles an hour to 50 or 55, and that lasted for you know, more than 40 miles. But this episode is by no means about complaining or venting my frustrations. Instead, I thought it would be fun to share a bit of the I-40 experience with you. From where I live, just outside of Nashville, Tennessee, the I-40 is literally the lifeblood highway for industry based out of Nashville. And the reason for this is that Nashville is considered not only Middle Tennessee, but Nashville is also the central part of the United States. In fact, it, it's said, and I tend to, tend to believe this is true, is that one can drive to any part of the continental United States within 24 hours from Nashville. And for me, this has been a true godsend. From Nashville through to Oklahoma City, there really isn't much to talk about, although I must tell you that, and I forget about this every time, and then when I get close to Oklahoma City, I remember that, and it's ironic because it happens, it occurs at one of the two sharpest bends or sharpest curves in the entire length of I-40, but anyhow, as one is coming through Oklahoma City, or I think actually just coming into Oklahoma City, from the east, uh, on the left-hand side is Tinker Air Force Base. And as you, you start passing by the air base, out in the front is this an incredible exhibition, I guess you would say, or display of military aircraft. And for years of uh, you know passing by there, one of the aircraft was an F-4 Phantom, which happened to be one of the very first type of fighter aircraft I ever got to fly in. But anyhow... I would always just stare at this as I'm driving by. And again, it's on this really, really sharp curve that you have to slow down considerably for. But it is really worth the view, especially if you have any interest in that sort of thing. Um, but in this time, actually, they seem to have switched up the, the, the display of aircraft that's out there. So on my way back, which makes it a little bit easier to look at, I'll have to check it out again. But anyhow, once you get through Oklahoma City... I-40 really becomes interesting. Once one passes west of Oklahoma City, the I-40 becomes something more than just an interstate highway. It, it becomes, at least in my opinion, a highway of novelties. For this section of highway, this section of interstate is the section that replaced the infamous Route 66, which was also known as the Mother Road. In the early days of the In Search of America documentary, I spent a few weeks exploring this mother road, which unfortunately has been segmented over the years. But during its heyday, this route 
was abundant with motels and tourist attractions. Keep in mind that travel back then was much slower. You know, speed limits were slower, and the route itself was far from being a straight line with no traffic lights or stop signs. But the beauty of Route 66 was that it passed through America, and not just the landscape of America, but through the lifeblood of this country. Small-town America, as it's come to be known, thrived because of this highway. Every town had its motels, its restaurants, and its own attractions. You know, I remember, again, going back to my early childhood when we drove Route 19, which traversed south to north through western Pennsylvania. You know, all along the highway were these small restaurants, each with home-style cooked foods. And you know, I remember my dad saying once that the best places to eat are the truck stops because truckers only eat where the food is the best. Oh, how things have changed. Anyhow, but most of these businesses that were along Route 66 have since dried up, as have many of the towns, because, you know, once the I-40 was put through, it diverted all the traffic away from the towns. But fortunately, some of the remnants of this bygone era have remained. In Clinton, Oklahoma, there is the Route 66 Museum. In Eric, Oklahoma, there is the Roger Miller Museum. And for those of you that are too young to remember Roger Miller, he was one of the great country music stars, and he was known especially, or in large part, for what were considered novelty songs, like King of the Road and many, many others. As I continued my drive through Oklahoma, I began to see these half-sized billboards for a place called Cherokee. There were probably about a dozen of them overall, but anyhow, the first one that I saw, it just said Cherokee, and then it had a picture of a buffalo on it. The caption read, Live Buffalo. I'm still not sure if it was just one buffalo or several, but what I am certain of is that it is or they are indeed alive. The next of their miniature billboards had a picture of a cactus on it. The caption, live cactus. Again, was there just one or were there many? Regardless, the cactus were indeed very much alive. From that point forward, the billboards never mentioned anything else that was living. The next billboard read, large selection of styles, another touted hand-tooled leatherworks. The next to the last billboard, which now was a full-size billboard, declared that they also had a Subway restaurant. The final billboard simply said, Exit Here. Entering into the great state of Texas, and sorry, it's that I know so many Texans that if I did not proclaim it as such, I would have risked defending them. Anyhow, Shortly into Texas, I exited the interstate to revisit a place that I had explored during my original venture along Route 66. It was the town of McLean, Texas, and the town boasts the Devil's Rope Museum. Yeah, 
You know, the first time that I saw a sign for this place, it was the first time I was traveling out west along I-40, I had to stop. I had no idea what this could possibly be, and especially kind of in the heart of, of, of Bible Belt country. Uh, but it turns out that devil's rope is just another word or another term, another name for barbed wire. Unfortunately, the Devil's Rope Museum has been closed down temporarily, and you guessed it, due to COVID. But driving through McLean was also, for me, a sad reminder of what has happened because of I-40. Because this town, again, it once thrived, and now it is absolutely desolate. It is also one of the places where the original Route 66 passes through, but then, quite literally, abruptly ends, and I mean not just by name, but physically, the road just stops. Not far from McLean is the town of Shamrock, Texas. I had planned to stop there as well to visit this restored gas station and diner, but I thought that they too would probably be shut down due to COVID, so I thought I would just uh, you know, catch that on the way back if they're open, and if not, on a subsequent trip, probably in the spring. But my stopping point for the day was Amarillo, Texas, and due to a mistake in the hotel reservation, I ended up staying a bit further than I intended from I-40. Uh, you know, just as an FYI, uh, you know, I called the, the hotel when I made the reservation and I, you know, just to make sure that they were a short distance from I-40. So I called them and I asked just that. I said, I just wanted to make sure that you were close to the I-40. And they said, oh, yes, absolutely. Well, it turns out that they were 30 miles south. But what I have found repeatedly over the years, and I'm dead serious about this, is distance Mileage distance for Texans is much different than it is for anybody anywhere else in the world. I mean, really. So for them, in fact, when I got to the hotel, I even said to the person that was working there, the manager, I said, you know, I'm a little disappointed because I called ahead and asked if you were close to I-40 and they said that you were. And she said immediately, well, we are. I said, you're 30 miles south. She said, well, yeah, but we're close. So anyhow, that's where I spent the night. In hindsight, this actually turned out really well. Uh, because I was 30 miles south of the I-40, I needed to leave the hotel the following morning no later than 5.30 a.m. Because if I left any later, I would hit a significant amount of rush hour traffic and just sit forever. And that would put me too late by the time I got to the I-40. So anyhow, I left about 5.20 a.m. and I drove. I hit no traffic whatsoever. And I decided to stop at Cadillac Ranch. Now, for those of you that are not familiar with Cadillac Ranch, I'm going to give you just a brief background, a little bit of history. And if you want to know more, just Google it because there is tons and tons of stuff on it. Anyhow. Back in, I think it was 1974, there were a couple of guys, and I think they were out of Tulane University, and they wanted to create this art installation. So they took, they found a millionaire, first of all, that would donate the land and, and facilitate the funding to do all this. But they took 10 Cadillacs, and each of these Cadillacs represented one of the successive generations of Cadillacs from it was 1949 through 1963, and they half buried these Cadillacs nose down into the ground, 
at the exact same angle as the Great Pyramid of Giza. Now, when these Cadillacs were originally buried, they were in pretty much pristine condition, at least cosmetically, and each one represented a different color of the classic Cadillac colors of the time. But over the years, and this is where I, I kind of don't understand, and I can't find information on it as to when it began, or probably even more concerning to me is why, but at some point, people decided to not only come and visit this art installation, but to come with cans of spray paint and start spray painting graffiti onto the cars. And then as time went on, years passed, not only did this tradition continue, but then people also started taking pieces off of these Cadillacs as, I guess, souvenirs of Cadillac Ranch. I arrived there yesterday morning about 6 a.m., and obviously it was still dark, but it was also bitter cold. And that bitter cold was intensified by the high winds that one generally finds in West Texas. And what really amazed me is, is that by about 7 a.m., and it was still pretty dark, I started seeing other cars pull up and park. By 7.30 a.m., just as the sun was beginning to peak above the horizon, these people, there were 11 in total, that began to exit their cars and make the journey. It's about a 100-yard journey from the parking area to the cars. They started to make this journey, yes, spray paint cans in hand. A couple of the people even had folding chairs and an entire bag filled with spray paint cans. Anyhow, here it is. It's freezing cold. It's barely light. And they are already on their way to be the first of the day to begin spray painting the Cadillacs. I admit to having mixed feelings about this, and no matter how many times I go to visit Cadillac Ranch, I end up leaving with the same mixed feelings. On one hand, you know, it, it's kind of great that it's become this interactive art installation. And what really amazes me is time and time again, now yesterday wasn't one of those, but Throughout the warm weather, I have seen entire families come there. I mean, mother, father, teenage children, children that are probably only five or six years old, and each of them have their own cans of spray paint, and they walk around spray painting. And what I think is amazing, or in a sense good about this, is it's this amazing art-related family activity. So the kids can go off and be creative on their own. And I've seen kids where they stop and they go over to see what their parents are doing or the, vice versa. The parents come to see what they're doing. There's some interaction. They try some different things. So it's an explorative process for people to experience art. But then the other side of it is the whole destructive aspect. And again, when these cars were originally put into the ground, they were in pristine condition and representative, not just of the style or the architecture of these cars, but of the colors themselves. During this visit, I was actually somewhat shocked to see that one of the Cadillacs had been stripped by so many pieces that it looked really kind of just like a decomposing skeleton. But again, there is the flip side to all of this. And you know, when I was there yesterday and I was close to one, physically close to one of the Cadillacs because I was making a detailed photograph of something, I was really kind of blown away at how thick the buildup of paint had actually become. 
And so now, not only are there these bright colors for the most part and multicolors, without a doubt, there is also this new texture that has developed almost like a lizard skin because of the heavy buildup of paints. And now it's adding a whole new dimension to the original art installation. This transformation can also be seen in what I was just talking about a second ago, is that, that, that look of almost like a decomposing skeleton. It has taken this art installation from one thing and transformed it over the decades into something that is completely different. Several miles down the road after I left Cadillac Ranch, I did stop briefly to make a photograph of this, uh, I guess it was a grain silo, and it had been abandoned, the windows were knocked out of it, but it was just so striking, this, this decaying architecture, but it had this majesty to it still. And then from there, I stopped in the town of Adrian, Texas. Adrian, Texas is another of those small towns that was left by the wayside when the I-40 came through. And the real irony here, at least for me, is that the I-40 passes literally only about 50 yards to the south of the town. I mean, literally, when you are in the town standing on the road, you can see traffic passing easily on the I-40. But anyhow, Adrian's claim to fame is that it is the midway point on Route 66. On the highway itself is a white line painted across the entire width of the highway. This line marks the exact midway point, and if one stands on this line, the distance from where you are standing to Los Angeles to the west, and that, of course, is where Route 66 ended, that distance is the exact same distance as if you were to travel from where you are standing east to Chicago, where Route 66 began. And again, like most of the towns that the I-40 passed by, Adrian is nearly a ghost town as far as businesses go, with the exception, however, of one restaurant appropriately named the Midpoint Cafe, which sits right on that line. And again, ironically, with the I-40 passing nearly in its backyard. There's another town a bit further west along the I-40 that, like the others, fell into shambles when the I-40 came through. But then several years ago, a lot of outsiders moved in, bought up these old properties, these abandoned properties, refurbished them, and rebranded the town to its original branding, which was Tucumcari Tonight. Tucumcari, New Mexico, during its heyday of the Route 66 phenomenon, was literally one of the great hubs along this highway because it boasted so many motels. Hence the, the, the slogan, Tucumcari Tonight. This was a town where travelers along Route 66 could almost be guaranteed they would find lodging because of how many motels the town had. After deciding to do this episode, I also thought that it would be great fun to take it a step or even two steps further. I would like to do a series of episodes that feature specific places and even specific experiences along the I-40. And this would even include periodic ventures, I'm sure, off onto nearby sections 
of the original Route 66. This would also prompt me to visit the novelty places, like the ones that I mentioned in this episode. Something tells me that there are great stories to be uncovered and told. Until next time, I want to sincerely thank you for joining me and for allowing me to share with you another story from the world. And yes, as always, this episode is copyrighted 2020, all rights reserved. See you next time.